and welcome to the show Unbossed. I am your host, Nina Turner. And in the co-host chair today, we got Big Waz in the house. We are so happy to have him back on Unbossed. How you feeling today, Big Waz? I'm feeling amazing, happy to be back on with you guys. Excellent, and Big Waz is a TYT contributor. So please catch him on TYT often. Now we're gonna start off with Daniel Penny. He has been indicted. Daniel Penny's indictment by a New York grand jury in the Jordan Neely subway death. This headline right here, Daniel Penny indicted by New York grand jury in Jordan Neely subway death. The Marine veteran was indicted on a second degree manslaughter charge in the May death of the homeless street performer and the homeless street performer has a name and his name is Jordan Neely. You know what, NBCnews.com, y'all can do better than that. You just should have went on and just named the brother straight out since we do know his name, but we use that headline nevertheless. Now Penny was indicted on a second degree manslaughter charge for the May 1st chokehold. Some of you may remember if you have been keeping up with that story and the chokehold the chokehold that he put on Neely caused Neely's death. Now Daniel Penny was indicted by a grand jury on Wednesday, that was yesterday. Penny 24 was initially arrested on manslaughter charges and Jordan Neely's death. It is believed Penny faces one charge of second degree manslaughter which carries a maximum of 15 years in prison. And another charge for criminally negligent homicide, which carries four years behind bars. This reporting coming from ABC 7. Lawyers for Neely's family said in a statement that the indictment signaled, quote, the right result for the wrong he committed, end quote, during the confrontation on an F train in Manhattan. Lawyers for Penny said the standard of evidence for a grand jury is very low and there has been no findings of wrongdoing. We're confident that when a trial jury is tasked with weighing the evidence, they will find Daniel Penny's action on the train were fully justified. Now let's take a look at some of the responses from our sisters and brothers and family and friends on the right. Don't y'all choke cuz I said that I did say that on Newsmax. He wasn't trying to kill him. He was trying to restrain him in order to have police come because he had been harassing the riders on the train. Katie and Andrew Cherskowski analyzed the indictment of Daniel Penny in the Jordan Neely subway death. So hey, he wasn't trying to choke him, he was just trying to restrain him. Cuz that's how you're supposed to restrain all people, by the neck. That That's acceptable restraint in the United States of America. And then, oh my God, Fox News. I mean, I thought these people were going to blow a gasket. And these are pro-life people too, which is why I kind of went in on them like this, or at least my stunt, stunt double did. Fox thinks it's okay to kill people, pro-life. So that was my sarcasm there. Fox hosts condemn a grand jury indicting Daniel Penny for falsely choking Jordan Neely on the New York subway. Or fatally, I should say, choking Jordan Neely on the New York subway. Ducey, who will ever step up again? Earhart, our parents' generation would have stepped in. Kill him, man. This is my hope that the people in that jury ride the subway. End quote. And let's take a look before we bring Big Waz into this discussion of what Daniel Penny had to say about this situation. 
Daniel Penny is convicted. Who will ever step up again to try to defend people knowing that it could ruin their lives. They could right. wind up getting convicted for 15 years think about and it would ruin their lives. Who's going to stand up? Think about time. how this world has changed. I mean, this is the news and people, 50% of the people probably in New York believe that uh, Daniel Penny's in the wrong here. This is what I hope and for. Absolutely. This is how, think about our parents' generation and our grandparents' generation. They would have stepped in. Well, my apologies. That was uh, what I what I tweeted out. This is the Fox show host. So Big Wise, I think they're conflating many things here. That's just me. But what's your take on this? Uh, I think obviously the right thing has happened. Daniel Penny committed a crime on the subway um, and he should be prosecuted to the furthest extent of the law that is possible, right? Obviously he has the right to a fair trial. Defend himself if he can prove in a court of law that he didn't do the wrong thing there, then he'll go free. But other than that, bro, you gotta prove to people that what you did is not criminal. Somebody died. Like they're saying this as if he, you know, like he forearm shivered the dude, and um, you know, he he got a hangnail or something. Like no, somebody died here. That's the part that they're not mentioning. And I think honestly, the other part that isn't mentioned enough, quite frankly, Nina, is now just so people understand, I've, I've been in New York for the last two weeks. I take the train damn near every single day. Um, I'm a born and raised New York City person. Uh, I haven't been here for about five and a half years. And I can tell you uh, the situation on the subway is different. It has changed. Uh, the amount of homelessness um, on the subway has absolutely increased. The frequency with which you interact with persons who are currently homeless or people who are going through a mental health um, spell has increased. That's just a fact. And to me, this is a sign of a society in decay. This is a failure of the powers that be, um, which obviously nobody on Fox and Friends, they're never gonna point their finger at the people who actually um, have all the power in making these conditions, you know what I mean? And so uh, I don't think this dude had any right to kill this guy, but the, the sort of level of fear and panic on the subway is real. A lot of people feel afraid, a lot of people, you know, when people are having manic episodes and they're not used to dealing with this, a lot of people are scared. And I think that's the atmosphere that allowed for this to happen. To me, this stuff, obviously this guy's personally responsible, but on a, a, a sort of a, a grander view, um, I think Mayor Adams, uh, NYPD, the freaking uh, real estate lobby in New York. I think all of those people have blood on their hands in this situation. And thank you for sharing that experience, Big Wise. And it's good to talk to a New Yorker. And you know, I have a lot of conservatives in my life that I actually love, like they mean something to me, what their opinions mean something to me as well, who are basically, you know, saying what, what you just said, which is look, there's a lot of fear out there. None of them are saying that he had a right to choke nearly out whatsoever, but they have a but, I guess it's a but and. But and you know, understanding the circumstances by which people are riding on that subway and what was in this person's mind being Daniel at the time that he did that. Now we can mix all of that. So more than one thing can be true at once and you're laying that out. 
Yes, Fox and Friends is absolutely wrong because yet yeah, he Daniel Penny has the answer because he did kill somebody. And the last time I checked, murder or, or you know killing somebody is against the law. So he has to answer for that. Now being indicted doesn't necessarily mean that he is going to be convicted. And Big Waz hit the nail on the head. The jury is gonna listen to the facts and the jury will make a decision. But to pretend as though the grand jury shouldn't have brought anything to the court is preposterous on his face. And the reason why my stunt double was being so sarcastic because this would be the same people who talk about pro-life, pro-life, pro-life. But in the case of Neely, see now we wanna justify who should be alive and who shouldn't be alive. I can guarantee you Big Waz that Neely is going to be on trial in that courtroom. Oh, Even yeah. though he is dead, he is going to be the one that is in, on trial in that courtroom. I want the team to put back that headline from NBC News because one of the ways and the media did this the entire time. And I'm not blaming this on Daniel Penny at all. But look at this headline by way of example, Daniel Penny indicted by New York grand jury in Jordan Neely subway death. And then underneath the Marine veteran. You see what I mean? See in our society, I mean, they already hyping that up. This was a Marine. So they putting this off. The Marine veteran was indicted on a second degree manslaughter charge in the May death of the homeless street performer. Now they're distilling nearly down to just a homeless street performer. Y'all see that? And it's, it's, it's psychological what's you, about you, to happen. You know, what's so, you know what's so funny about that, Nina? I read, I read this guy being a Marine and I, and I read that as somebody who was trained to kill, put his hands on a pretty scrawny dude who was going through a mental health episode. That's how I read that, a yes. freaking, a human killing machine. Okay, um, felt so scared by this dude that he ended up killing him. That's how I, personally read that. I don't read that as some, you know, quote unquote hero, decorated, whatever. I don't care about that. Like to me, like the country trained you to kill. And okay. you're not the only one. I mean, and you deployed that on essentially a guy that was basically harmless. Okay, nobody's life was actually in danger um, by this guy's mental episode. I can understand why people felt fearful and nervous, but I'd be hard pressed to be like people thought they were about to die at the hands of this um, of Jordan Neely. Good point, Big Wise. And most of the witnesses, the eyewitness reports that I've read. No one actually said, as far as I know, now the facts can change. So let me say of the reports I have read, some of the people who came forward to talk about what happened that day said exactly what you said. They felt trepidation, they felt scared, but no one so far has said that Neely was actually being violent. Right, he said some violent things and now we know of his past. We know that he has been convicted of some things. But just because he has in the past, that doesn't give anybody the right to choke this man out because it's really what about what is he doing in the moment. Your point about him being a Marine and being trained, one of my dear friends made that point that right, that can be switched around the way you just named listed it, which is he is trained to kill, number one, two, trained how to use discretion. Like he is not yeah. some average citizen walking the streets. So he understands when and when not yep. to put that kind of pressure on somebody. And with all of the folks around Neely, did you have to use a chokehold though? 
You know, and those are the things that the jury is 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 going to consider. You know, his legal team is going to argue that people felt as though their lives were in imminent danger to the point that you're making, and that in fact, Dan, that and, and that in fact, Penny acted accordingly. And the prosecution is going to argue otherwise. But you know what? It's going to court. Let's see what happens. I'm gonna tell you something, Big Wise. I don't believe that he's gonna be convicted at all. I don't. I don't think. Yeah. That you know what? Like I said, um, that outcome would not surprise me because just anecdotally, and I've said this on TYT before, people that I talk to, people that I grew up with, these are not like yuppies. These are not Karens. These are people who are born and raised, died in the world, New Yorkers, men and women. I'm talking about people who could handle themselves. Are like I don't. I try to avoid the train. At yeah. all costs these days. And again, I want to reiterate, I lay that at the feet of the administration, the real estate lobby, who basically at all turns are just jacking rents. Um, there's no affordable housing. Of course, this idea that this doesn't um, make people more homeless, that's ridiculous. And then, of course, you know, there's the mental health uh, component to this where people aren't getting care, they have nowhere to go. And more and more of these people are. Are just boom, they're just on the subway. They're just yes. roaming. They're not getting any help. And you know, these are every and again, people need to understand these aren't just a bunch of rich, sort of privileged white people, blah, 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 taking the train every day. These are working class people every single day taking that train. Okay, and so it's it's not. It's sometimes it can be easy to be like, oh, this is just dismissively be like, oh, being scared of the train is just some privileged, ridiculous position. No, it's not. Okay, like we're talking about older women, people in their 60s, people in their 70s, taking the train every single day, and the conditions that have been created are by the authorities. The people in charge have created these conditions because guess what? It wasn't always like this, and people didn't always feel in need to feel threatened or you see a homeless person on the train, you automatically nervous and want to get physical and violent. That was not always the case. Yeah, no, absolutely big wise. Well, a lot of work. This is a stain on society that nearly exactly. choked out in this way, a big stain on society. It's in the courts now, so we're gonna keep everybody posted. We know everybody has an opinion about this. We welcome your thoughts for those of you who are gonna be commenting while we are live. And innocent until proven guilty. He was indicted, he was not convicted, and we will see what happens in court. We will definitely keep you posted. Condolences, obviously, to the Neely family. They definitely deserve that. They lost their loved one, and nobody has the right to be judge, jury, and executioner, especially if your life is not an imminent danger. And that is the key word there, imminent danger. And we as a society need to think about, do we value other people's lives more than others? We know historically, yeah, that has been the case and it's both caste and class. And that's what we're dealing with here. But stay tuned, we'll, we will see what happens. Uh, on to my, we're gonna leave New York now and come on into the great state of Ohio. Y'all got a new senator who is full of it, full of BS. Y'all know what I'm talking about, I ain't talking about Bernie Sanders. The man is full of bull and this is it. Following the train derailment, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but I gotta put some extra, extra, extra special love on Senator J.D. Vance. So we go into part two. Following the train derailment in East Palestine, in February, Senator J.D. Vance of Ohio said this in March. 
I want to start by acknowledging the people of, of East Palestine and Anne at the Ohio EPA has done a great job on this tragedy and just say that I think that our leadership, our media and our politicians were slow to respond to this crisis in part because a certain segment of our leadership feels like the people of East Palestine are a little out of style. They have the wrong politics. They're a little too rural, maybe a little too white. And let me say, they are not out of style. They live in a community, absolutely, in East Palestine that is the majority white. They are not out of style. They are working class, poor and working class, and maybe even some middle class white people who have felt the pain that poor people and any other and working class people in any other community would feel, whether they are black or white or Hispanic or Asian or Arab or the swirl in between. They are working class people who have been hit hard by an economy that has not been friendly to them, has not done them any favors. So J.D. Vance is sitting there as if he really has some concerns about the people of East Palestine. We wish that he did, but you you about to find out that he really does not, that he was just talking those words, but he's put no substance behind them. I actually had a chance to visit that community and I saw, felt and heard the frustration of people who feel as though government has left them behind. And guess what, government has indeed left them behind. So it turns out that J.D. was one of those politicians who worked slowly and intentionally so in terms of holding Norfolk accountable. Check out this reporting right here from the lever. The lever is holding it down. JD Vance helped lobbyists weaken his rail safety bill. You read that right. If you're only listening, you heard that right. JD Vance helped lobbyists weaken his rail safety bill. The Ohio Senator quietly delayed the timeline for safer tank cars that regulators say could help prevent train spills like the one in East. Palestine. So my stunt double, obviously, she had to jump into this. She has some thoughts immediately. Let's put up what my stunt double had to say about this situation. J.D. Vance helped lobbyists weaken his rail safety bill in today's episode of Bought and Sold Politicians. You will see many faces in high places in this episode. But right now, we are focusing in on Senator J.D. Vance. And here's more. In the wake of the catastrophic derailment and chemical release in East Palestine, Ohio in February, bipartisan rail safety legislation committed to quickly end hazardous material shipments in the antiquated tank cars, which regulators said had fallen at high, excuse me, had failed at higher rates during the Ohio derailment than updated fortified tank cars on the same train. The lever goes on, but last month, the bill's co-sponsor, Senator J. D. Vance, a Republican of Ohio, quietly amended his own legislation to delay the tank car change by years. So not months, y'all, by years. At the request of rail and chemical industry lobbyists, according to lobbyists, Senate testimony, manufacturers would have been unable to comply with the faster timeline, even though one of the lobbying group's members has previously said manufacturers could build and retrofit tank cars on this production schedule. The article further highlights how Vance cruelly delayed this. Now I want you to notice he quietly did this. So while you saw him earlier in a clip talking about the forgotten people of East Palestine, he quietly 
changed his own bill to benefit the very lobbyists and the very corporations responsible for what happened to the citizens of East Palestine. On May 10th, the Senate Committee on Commerce, Science and Transportation adopted a Railway Safety Act amendment authored by Vance and Senator Maria Cantwell, a Democrat from Washington, that delayed the tank car enhancement deadline from May of 2025 to December of 2028 at the latest. You see the Democrat getting in on this too. After the amendment passed, Vance touted the American Chemistry Council support for the bill without mentioning that the lobbying group had backed the change to the tank car rules. Vance, whose home state is nurturing a growing petrochemical industry, is one of the Senate's top recipients of chemical industry cash. And all you gotta do, baby, if you are ever in doubt, I want y'all to listen to Senator Sister Turner right there. When I tell right here, when I say this to you, all you gotta do, baby, is follow the money. That's it. This is despicable what Senator JD Vance did while he's talking all kinds of smack. But then in the like a thief in the night, he's sitting up there changing his own bills to edify his owner donors, and he did not blink. But let us remind you. That the residents of East Palestine are still suffering at the hands of a government, both state and federal, that left them behind. And lo and behold, they don't even have a state senator that gives a care about their suffering. But you know what? I'm gonna let a resident from East Palestine tell you what's happening. I had breathed in chemicals and I had a raw rash all over my lips that took about three weeks to get rid of. Just recently, like when it rains, my basement floods with chemicals and my nose starts gushing blood. I choke on it, it's terrible. And my house hasn't even been tested. It's not in priority for Norfolk Southern, but I'm getting sick every single day, whether it be a cough, a bloody nose. Just fatigued, I mean, it's terrible. And still to this point, it's still still affecting you in that way? Yes, and it's just been getting like progressively worse for me. Um, like my cough, my allergies, my nosebleeds. Like at first it was like one nosebleed here and there, and now it's constant. Like I have to worry about what I'm wearing because I'm scared I'm gonna get blood on my shirt. <laughs> just ridiculous, oh, that's a resident. This reporting is coming from status quo. So Big Waz, your thoughts? Uh, I feel really bad for that young lady. Um, this is not even, this isn't even to speak of the long term ramifications of the pollution that was caused by this derailment. But yeah, it's like you always say, Nina, it's almost as if these guys are bought and paid for. You know, when the disaster is at its most politically heightened um, stage in the very beginning, of course. Here comes Senator Vance on his white horse to come and save the great people of East Palestine of East Palestine. But as time goes on, his owners, his masters, they get their hooks into him and they remind him quite gently 
You remember where your bread is buttered. It's not with the actual people who you've been elected to serve. It's with your donors and your masters and he went right back to it. And the sad part is who's gonna hold this guy accountable, right? Um, by the time he comes up for reelection, I wonder if people will even remember this disgusting display of cynicism. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm doubtful. Uh, I think politicians bank on this short memory and that's why they do all of this raping and pillaging, right? Uh, they just go out and do the bidding of their betters. Um, and, it's, and it's sad, but rarely is it this stark, right? Um, the other day, I don't know if you saw this Nina in Florida, Ron DeSantis land, uh, state senators are telling migrant workers like, you know that bill that we put out that told you we hate you and we don't want you here in that I co-sign? No, we were just kidding. That was just meant to scare people from coming. We want you back. We don't want you to go to the fields of Georgia and all of that stuff. Like these people just pay lip service to stuff. And then the agriculture industry was like, guys, no, you're actually, it's not because they realized it was wrong. It's like, guys, you're actually messing up the money. And you see an about face, and I think Vance is doing the exact same thing. It's just so much more horrible. Yeah, no, it really is. I mean, and 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 he knows he he went there. You know, I went there too. It really is a damn shame. There's no other way to describe it. You know, there's a quote that I think that is very apropos for this moment from Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm. I am paraphrasing her, but she basically said, when it comes down to morality and money, morality rarely wins. And that is the God's honest truth. So whether we're talking about the residents of East Palestine or any other poor working class people across this country, they are usually the ones to lose when they have to come to face to face with corporate powers and money. And another point that you made, Big Wise, I totally agree. Five years from now, because Vance is in the US Senate, so it's a six year term. By the time it comes around again, he'll be telling a different story. He won't mind, he won't let the truth get in the way of a good story. And the folks of East Palestine probably won't even remember that he sold them out and he sold them out quickly. But I hope somebody runs against this dude. Well, wrap your mind around everything that you've heard in these first few segments right here on Unboss. We'll be right back with your comments after this. And welcome back to the show. Now tomorrow night right here on TYT, we are going to have a Juneteenth special. You are not going to want to miss it. Yours truly, I'm leading the first half an hour of the show. And then the second half, half an hour of our hour long show will be led by Adrian Lawrence. So tune in to our Juneteenth special on Friday. That's tomorrow, June 16th at 8 p.m. ET and 5 p.m. PT with special guests, yours truly, Mayor Mondale Robinson, Sharon Reed, Adrian Lawrence, and J.R. Jackson. And we'll discuss the history of Juneteenth and its significance in today's current climate. Why is it important to recognize and to understand Juneteenth? So tune in on tyt.com slash live. You can also tune in on YouTube and on Twitch. Now you know you wanna become a member for $4.99 a month. Baby, that's a deal that you just cannot pass up. Help plant the seeds and to continue to help TYT continue to be the strong independent network that we are. Do that, we need you just $4.99 a month will help us continue being strong. We need you baby and justice is coming. A majority of the country 
is progressive, despite what you hear some of the talking heads and talking politicians say. America is progressive and the book is our battle plan. Justice is coming, how progressives are going to take over the country and America is going to love it by the one and only our very own Jink Uger. So get that book, it's available wherever books are sold. And it's coming out in September of this year. But go ahead and pre-order that thing. Put your phone up to that Q code, baby. Justice is coming. I can't wait to read it. Now to my favorite part of the show, your comments. We're gonna start off with Twitch. Re918, this could ruin his life, question mark, exclamation points. He killed someone, he took a life. Thank you, Re918, for reminding us of that main thing. Ruin his life, he took a life. You're absolutely right. And Tai Chi Chung Dragon, two years plus with TYT. Woohoo! Thank you so much for your support of TYT. We appreciate you, baby. And Angel 86 Rhodes, it only takes about 30 seconds to knock someone out from a chokehold, and this guy held it for 15 minutes. That's what some people are saying, he disputes that. If this was a UFC match, they would have charged this man with murder. You know what, Angel? That's a really, really good point. Dinger Dragon, the axe forgets, but the tree stump remembers. Ain't that the truth? Tell that truth right there. Thank you all. And on YouTube, Super Chat, Looney Tunes, 9,000. Happy Thursday, exclamation point. Got home 30 minutes ago, and I need a little TYT time. Been working since eight this morning. Well, Looney Tunes, 9,000, you you got your TYT time. Big Wads and I are bringing in. We hope you get you a little rest in after the show. And TYT members, Texting, I'm with Wise. I am a Marine, and all that sentence does is embarrass me. He's far from the only psycho Marine. He, <laughs> if he needs meds to control himself, he should go to the VA, not choke people out on the subway. Big Wise, we see you nodding your head to what the Marine had to say about that. I mean, yeah, it's obvious that the, the idea that this guy's a Marine doesn't absolve him from committing a heinous, you know, act of violence against a guy and taking his life. There it is. Well, we got a Marine who weighed in on this and said he's embarrassed by his actions and just saying, hey, if you need a little help, get get help. But you don't have the right to choke somebody out in a subway. And A1X, the rules of engagement in the Marines would have never allowed him to get involved there. There's another point, point well taken. And Crystal Braden, I'm going to be moving back to the greater Cleveland area in a few weeks. All right, Crystal, come on home, baby. And I cannot wait to get involved with helping to get people like Vance out of office and get people who actually give a damn about their constituents into those seats. I am right with you, Crystal, amen to that. Thank you all for your comments. I know that there are so many others that we did not get to, but we wanna thank you, baby, for what you do, boo. Thank you for being involved in and engage and those comments were very, very tentilating. I like that word, tentilating. Are we going on to something that is less so? Fox host Jesse Waters has some despicable thoughts on the unhoused. Take a look. 
Gavin's now at maybe midfield, but he has to understand homelessness isn't about lack of affordable housing. It's about drug addicts that want to wander around and live in tents on the sidewalk. And so you can't coddle antisocial behavior. You can't subsidize antisocial behavior. You have to stigmatize it. You can't celebrate people with purple hair, with nose rings, four kids with four different men who are dressed like trash and make them out to be some sort of cutting edge heroes. You have to call them what they are. These are people failed in life and they're on their deathbed. And if we're not honest about it, we're never going to fix this problem. Oh, my, my, my. Big wise, I, I want to bring my stunt double in. Y'all keep wise up and put my stunt double up. And then let's just go ahead and have this conversation because I can't go much further into this segment. This is a heartless fool. I mean, that's it. There's really not much else to say about this dude. Fox News host Jesse Waters calls for viewers to stigmatize the unhoused. So, Big wise, I, I just. I can't with this, and you know, I don't know what necessarily this man's religious beliefs are. I'm sure we can look that up in a New York minute to determine, but if he has any at all, uh, there's a golden rule that, that strings through all of the major religions, but the one from the Christian Bible, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Yeah, it doesn't really get much more despicable than this, Nina. It's quite disgusting. And oftentimes I do think the the Fox News hosts and programmers overrate the callousness of their viewers. And like take for example, say, I don't know, the opium epidemic in this country. I think a lot of people, even Fox News constituents realized that drug addiction is actually a real live affliction and disease. And when it afflicted their loved ones, they didn't want their loved ones to be stigmatized by that. And so I think yeah, Jesse Waters is an unserious person. He's kind of a cartoonish figure. And to be honest, I would say a lion's share of Fox viewers wouldn't agree with what that idiot just said. He's just a clown and he's wearing his clown nose right there. Yeah, he is. I would hope that Fox viewers would not think that. There is nobody in their right mind who wants to be homeless. Keyword right mind. And are there a lot of mental health challenges? Absolutely they are. But to stigmatize people because they are homeless and basically saying they're not worthy. You know, they're not worth it and that we're never gonna solve this problem. This is a systemic problem, no doubt. That's not to say that everybody that's homeless is is suffering from some systemic failure. But most people who are homeless are suffering from a systemic failure and really don't want to be out there. And then where the few people who do want to be out there, we know that something must be seriously wrong. Most people want a roof over their head and they want to live a good life. Nobody wants to live that kind of life for the most part. Are there always outliers? Yes, they are. In everything, there's an outlier. But here are some facts that Big Wise and I want to share with you about the unhoused population. Population that that this guy seems so hell bent on dehumanizing. I'm calling him this guy because he doesn't even deserve his name to be mentioned. But as of January 2021, 37.9 million Americans lived in poverty, accounting for 11.6% of the total population, according to the latest report from the United States Census Bureau. That's despite the fact that America ranks first as the richest nation in the world in terms of GDP, gross domestic product. I mean, so 
America, we got a problem. We got to question ourselves here. Why is this happening? Why is it that, you know, to quote the urban poet, as I often do, one of my favorite quotes, lyrics from the song, we got money for war, but we can't feed the poor. We always find a way to make sure that the military industrial complex is taken care of. But when it comes to investing that money on the domestic side of the ledger in ways that would lift people, that would that would decrease the number of people who are suffering, decrease the number of people who are unhoused. We ain't got no holler for that. The Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD, counted around 582,000 Americans experiencing homelessness in 2022. That's about 18 per 10,000 people in the United States, up about 2,000 people from 2020. So it is growing, people are suffering. And we have this chart right here. Just want you to take a look at that right now. One in 10 young adults ages 18 to 25 experience homelessness over a 12 month period. One in 30 youth ages 13 to 17 experience homelessness over a 12 month period. So back at the top, that's approximately 3.5 million young adults. And at the bottom, that's approximately 700,000 youth. So this genius, and I'm using the term very sarcastically, doesn't even understand the stats. He doesn't understand the conditions. And quite frankly, if we are honest, he really does not give a damn. Because if he did, he wouldn't have been able to make such a cavalier statement. On a global scale, poverty is one of the most significant root causes of homelessness. Stagnant wages, unemployment, and high housing and healthcare costs all play into poverty. Being unable to afford essentials like housing, food, education, and more greatly increase a person's or a family's risk. In the United States, racial minorities experience homelessness at higher rates than the white population. Certainly no surprise there. So Big Wise, I mean, just he doesn't even care. Because that, that's it, that is an irrefutable fact that he doesn't care. Because if he cared even a little bit, he wouldn't have been able to fix his mouth to quote my grandmother to say what he said about homeless people in one of the most callous, corrupt ways possible. But you know, he's a multimillionaire, so he could care less about these people. And we know the sleight of hand that's always happening in these cases, right, Nina? Um, we're not gonna blame the system because then you would have to question all of the actors, all of the sort of policies in place that prop up said system. So if we're not gonna call the system um, and the powers that be defective, because God knows, um, God forbid somebody at Fox News challenged the status quo. Uh, so we're going to make people people defective. We're going to call people the problem. It, it's it's obvious there can only be one answer and at a place like Fox News with an empty suit, an empty haircut like Jesse Waters, the answer is always going to be the people cuz that fool is never going to challenge the system. He's never going to challenge the status quo. That's antithetical to the mission of Fox News. They are the system, right? They are the establishment. They are the authority. And so of course they're gonna shift blame to culture and people. Oh, it's the hair. Oh, it's the nose rings. Oh, it's the this. Oh, it's the that. It's the people, and it's not the system we've put in place, um, overarching and undergirding all of this, you know, pain and, and affliction. Yeah, and, and the the people who are vulnerable are at risk, and you know something that 
Dr. Robert Reich, an economist, he worked, he was the US Labor Secretary under President Clinton. He reminds us about how the systemic failures you know, contribute to a lot of the suffering that we find happening in this country right now. And to not truly and fully understand that or care to understand it because First of all, you gotta care to understand it. And it is clear that Jesse does not care to understand it whatsoever. I encourage our viewers to go look up Dr. Robert Rice. He takes the economy or he takes economics and he breaks it down into distillable parts that everybody can understand. He talks about what the drivers of inflation are. And he has a great documentary out, it's been out for several years now. It's called Inequality for All. It is fantastic primer on helping you to understand why so many people are in the situations that they are in right now. It is a policy choice. Poverty is indeed a policy choice. And you know, as I'm old enough to remember the child tax credit from mm. you know last year, that that tax credit was able to lift children out of poverty. It was that same child tax credit that the Congress allowed to expire and did Always. not do. Right? And they catapulted those same children. We're just using an example. They catapulted those same children back into poverty. I can, you know, from a systemic point of view or policy point of view, because we want our viewers to understand this. We're trying to connect the dots for you. When you have a nation that won't even pass the PRO Act that will allow workers to be able to unionize in their workplaces without fear of losing their jobs. When you have policymakers on the federal level in particular that will not set up a system whereby we have paid family leave and medical leave in this country. When you have a country, an industrialized nation, the wealthiest on the face of the earth that won't even guarantee healthcare as a human right. We got a problem here. So all of those things are connected to when families or individuals are at risk because we have a nation that prefers to answer to its owner donors on the state and federal levels of government in particular than to answer to the needs of the people in this country. And guess what, America, they're out of touch with you because the majority of Americans, regardless of political affiliation, you want universal health care. You do believe that people should have paid family and medical leave. You want to see the sub minimum wage go away, etc., etc. I mean, Big Wise and I can spend all day on this. So Jesse is an ill-informed fool who <laughs> he just don't care. And we just got to call him what he is, y'all. That's what this man is, heartless fool. That's it, and that's all. You know, Big Waz, we're going to go ahead and go to Juneteenth. We know Juneteenth is coming up soon. This holiday will be recognized on a federal level on Monday. It is not recognized in every state. So don't y'all go taking off from work, <laughs> thinking you off. You might not be off, don't you get fired. It's a federal holiday and not all states recognize that holiday and not all private industry recognizes that holiday. I am happy to report that on TYT, they do recognize that holiday. That is indeed a beautiful thing. But this story right here, South Carolina town uses white models to advertise Juneteenth celebration. A variety of posters were used. Some were of people, you know, just all white people. So, you know, I, I remember seeing this when I read the story and I thought, this, this can't be real. Somebody is, is uh, you know, this, this ain't right. I'm, I'm in the twilight zone right now. I know 
that folks wasn't putting white people and any other ethnic group on Juneteenth posters. I just know that wasn't happening, but it is true. Reuben Hayes, who is black, co-founded the organizational group Juneteenth GVL with two other black men. The board is entirely black, as is the staff. And according to their website, they began hosting celebrations for Juneteenth last year. Hayes on Thursday apologized for the banner and pointed out it was one of many designed in a bid to be inclusive. This reporting is coming from Daily Mail. Now listen, y'all, I, I understand inclusivity, but it should never go this far. <laughs> Why well, you want to jump in here before I go on? I, I think I think they should have tried to have at least a brother or sister in in the ad. You know, I understand promoting this idea that we all should be celebrating Juneteenth together as a nation, as you know, one of our great accomplishments, honestly, quite frankly, as a nation, is the abolishment of slavery. And so, yeah, I think we all should be holding hands in celebration of that great accomplishment. However, you know the stock photo with the with the, with the two with the white chick and and the bro and they're and they're about to you know rock some kente cloth like Nancy Pelosi and and go to Juneteenth. I mean, it, it, we just don't need it. We we don't need it. It could have been more tastefully done, for sure. Now we definitely don't need it unless uh, some of the public's reaction. Let's go to Frederick. Here we go. Polite <laughs> South Carolina. You're going to whitewash the holiday of Juneteenth. <laughs> you know it's an annual commemoration of the end of black African slavery in the United States after the Civil War. Y'all messed that up. <laughs> you know? And then under that, the root, WTF South Carolina City uses white models to promote Juneteenth celebration. You know, so again, Big Wise, I mean, come on now. Inclusivity is one thing, but not telling the truth about history is another. Here's some other reaction. Yeah, y'all gentrifying Juneteenth already. Yes, go ahead and put that out there. We got another one, Magic. Is Captain Marvel coming? <laughs> I mean, they shouldn't expect it. They they had to have expected these comments here, and the organizers, for to their credit, they did apologize. Juneteenth GVL would like to offer an apology to the community for the presence of non-black faces being represented on two flags representing Juneteenth. He said in a statement, "We acknowledge this mistake." Mistake haven't been made and will correct the error quickly. So glad the error was an attempt. Now he's explaining why they did it. This error was an attempt at uniting all of Greenville and thereby a slight oversight on one individual's part that prevented us from fully embracing the rich potential and celebrating the depth of the black culture through the message and meaning of Juneteenth. We take full responsibility for this misstep. Our dedicated team has worked tirelessly to curate remarkable Juneteenth experiences. And we anticipate a beautiful celebration that everyone will be pleased with and proud of moving forward. We are committed to ensuring that our events fully embrace the diversity, inclusivity, and the historical significance of Juneteenth. So, you know, it is really good to see the organizers take full responsibility overall. I mean, they apologize. So, once somebody has apologized, we got a choice. Either we're going to accept 
the apology or not accept the apology, they apologize. And I really don't believe that there was any malicious intent on the organizers part. But I do have a quote from the great Fannie M. Lewis, a former councilwoman here who is now in the ancestral plane. And she used to say this, it doesn't matter whether you meant to kill me by accident or on purpose, dead is dead. And in other words, (laughs) this right here should have never happened because it symbols do matter because it matters and it sure. matters that symbolically you represent the true historic nature of Juneteenth despite trying to be inclusive and black people shouldn't have to feel bad about telling the truth about our history and the truth about this country i mean no other group contorts their celebrations to right. fit inclusivity. Why is it that black folks always feel the need to do that? I just don't get yeah. it. I don't think we would have saw some black people on like the poster for a Passover celebration. You know, like not at all. <laughs> not even the Colossians who are black. <laughs> I mean, no, just, it, just, it just wouldn't have happened. But I'll say this to, to, to the black folks who are upset about it. Um, Once we take Juneteenth out of this thing that we're just doing amongst ourselves in celebration into we want to mainstream this thing, it's no longer in our hands or in our control. Like now white people or whoever else have the ability to quote unquote celebrate the holiday and get their hooks into it. And this is just the consequence of mainstreaming something. It's going to be clumsy and make you cringe at certain points, but I think going forward, we'll get this right. We we get Dr. King's holiday perfect now, don't we, Nina? <laughs> yeah, well, it took a minute. And I want to remind our viewers, Big Wise, that the organizers of this particular celebration in South Carolina were black. But they right. were going out of their way, as black people often do, to try to make everybody feel included. Telling our history should make people not feel included. We just got to tell the truth about the history and the symbols should bear that out. Juneteenth at its core, let me remind you all, is about enslaved blacks and particularly the enslaved black people in Galveston, Texas, who had not heard that they were free until June 19th in 1865 with an order of order written by Union General Gordon Granger. This was two months after the Confederate General Robert E. Lee surrendered. So the basis or the foundational point of the celebration is that those enslaved people in Galveston, Texas were basically two months behind. They did not know that freedom had come and they didn't have Twitter, they didn't have TikTok, they didn't have Facebook, they didn't have Instagram, they didn't have text message baby, so it took two months for them to find out. And this is how this celebration really generated. And now it is, as Waz laid out, a federal holiday. And everybody is more than welcome to celebrate it. But baby, you got to celebrate it based on the truth of the matter. And this holiday is about the freedom struggle of black people in America. And the history is significant, it is powerful, and it is necessary. And let me say again, black history is indeed America's history. Now we're going on to McDonald's, the Golden Arches. Bertha Montez was forced to work while sick at an LA McDonald's. Five days later, she died. Her co-workers are striking in solidarity and to demand sick pay. Take a look.
So her colleagues, the entire store walked out in remembrance of her and to demand sick pay. The Cal OSHA complaint states on April 13th, Bertha was visibly sick at work with bulging eyes, glossy eyes, or bulging red and glossy eyes. Bertha told Vicky, the manager, that she was sick and needed to go home. But Vicky told Bertha she could not leave work and forced her to continue working for three hours before she was allowed to leave. The complaint says Bertha died five days later. So big wise, we only have about 60 seconds left in show. Really, this is a tragic situation. It should not happen if we had that paid sick leave that I was just talking about in another segment. We wouldn't have to deal with with situations like this, your thoughts? Obviously, thought goes out to her family. Um, this is sad and this is a tragedy that she would have to die this way, being overworked by you know a freaking chain and a multi-billion-dollar corporation. However, I'm heartened by the fact that her coworkers have rallied together. Um, in the memory of her passing and in solidarity are trying to get things done that would make their work a little bit more dignified um, and more palatable and easier to stomach with more sick days on the sick paid leave. So that's, you know, that's a silver lining in this tragedy. Uh, Obviously, I would hope that we we could have a country someday where people don't just die on the job from overwork and exhaustion, Um, especially from something like McDonald's, right? fast food, this isn't some necessary job, you know, that that somebody needs to be worked this way is ridiculous. But you know, I'm heartened by the workers and I'm proud of them. Yeah, I am too, Big Wise, and it's just called having compassion. If one of your workers say that they're sick, they're sick, and managers are supposed to step in. I worked in fast food restaurant, the manager's supposed to step in, but it's just really heartless to tell somebody that they can't go home when they told you they were sick. Well, that is our time today, as Big Wise says, our condolences to Bertha's family. This should never happen anywhere in the world, but it especially should not happen to any worker here in the United States of America. Well, until next time, you know exactly what. I want you to do, I always, always, always want you to keep the faith, no matter how daunting things get. Faith is the substance of things not seen, the evidence of things hoped for, or the evidence of things not seen. I want you to keep that faith, baby. But you know what I want you to marry with that faith all the time, a whole bunch of fight. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.